There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. What's up? Welcome into a short edition of RCST. We just got the 5 o'clock hour today. That's because... We were preluded by the Royals game, which lasted forever, and of course they had to lose in not really that competitive game against the Oakland A's. I, I guess it was 4-2 for a while there, um, but the A's kind of pulled away late. Uh, I'll say this, though, with the Royals as the season is wrapping up. Even despite how non-competitive they have been in terms of just the big picture, like as a playoff competitor, as a team who would possibly win the division or make the wild card, like they haven't been in that race since the first month of the season. Salvador Perez has been an absolute show to watch this year. And I don't usually, you know, go this way with players on teams who just are are out of it. But we've seen the precedent uh, for a lot of Mike Trout teams with the Angels where it's just like, I'm sorry, he's just that good. Like, he deserves to win MVP. I don't care that they're hovering around 500. And with the Royals, it's even below that because they're a team that, is obviously below 500. Um, and I'm not saying he should win MVP. You know, you have Shohei Otani in the American League. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is contending for a triple crown. But for my money, Salvador Perez should be a top five MVP candidate. Hits his 45th home run today, which ties him with Johnny Bench for the most home runs in a single season by a catcher. And I believe the cutoff for how many games you had to play as a catcher, is around 125 games. He's been phenomenal this year, 45 months. I hope he goes on a a mad dash here at the end and can get to 50. That would be incredible. 110 RBIs, the 44 home runs. He's got 154 hits, hitting 276. 
it's been an unbelievable season for Salvador Perez. And I'm, uh, you know, if you look at like by OPS, it's funny because last year was actually better um, for Salvador Perez. But this has been an absolutely remarkable season, and for my money, should finish in the top five in MVP voting. We'll have Scott Chasen join us coming up in about thirty minutes from right now. Scott um, of Twenty Four Seven Sports and Fog.net. We'll talk some KU basketball with Scott. It's boot camp week, and we haven't devoted a ton of time to KU basketball, so we'll do a little more KU basketball today before we get back into uh, kind of KU football and, and Chiefs trend tomorrow on the show headed into the weekend. And don't forget, this Saturday I'll be out with Scott. Um, we'll be doing a pregame show from noon to 1, and then the 105.9 KISS crew is going to be out at Mama's Tamale Shop from noon to 2, giving away free goodies. They have $2 tacos all day, so you're going to want to come on out for that. The Thursday night football game tonight is about just as pleasing as you would think a Thursday night football game would be. Giants, Washington football team. I mean, these are exactly what one would think Thursday night football would have. Usually I feel like every year it's, we get like Titans, Jaguars, and, you know, Texans, Browns, although Browns, I guess, are good this year. But uh, we get the most unappetizing games. This one, again, you know, Broncos uh, just absolutely stomp over the Giants, which does not speak well to the Giants. And for Washington, you don't even have the factor of, oh, well, what's Ryan Fitzpatrick going to do? Because that's interesting. He's either going to give you four touchdowns or four interceptions. You don't even have that. You have Taylor Heineke starting for Washington. And you have two teams that, I don't know, like neither team has a good offense. Washington has what should be a top five-ish defense in the NFL. Certainly, they have probably a top five pass rush in the NFL. This is going to be a disgusting game. It's going to be low scoring. Daniel Jones is going to get strip sacked like three times. He's going to fumble a billion times. He's going to throw some interceptions. Same for Taylor Heineke. This game is going to finish like 17 to 13. I don't even know what the over-under is. Just pound the under. Um, but it's going to be a disgusting game. And, you know, as as much as I, I don't want that and wish that we had a better game, there's a part of me that that's kind of tradition, right? You know, it's like, Sometimes we have dumb traditions, but it's just like, oh, there's nostalgia there. And that, to this point, is Thursday Night Football. It's like, well, this game sucks, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way because sometimes we need to live in the chaos. You know, the Bane quote, I was born in the dark. That's how we feel with Thursday Night Football. And this one's certainly no different than those other games. All right, Scott Chasen is going to join us in about 30 minutes from right now. Again, very short show due to the Royals game. Earlier today, we'll talk more KU football and Chiefs on tomorrow's show. Coming up on the other side, though, Cam Martin caught up with media members yesterday as part of a KU media availability with uh, boot camp going on this week. We talked about Ochai Baji at pretty good length yesterday, and we'll talk more about him with Scott. But Cam Martin is your transfer coming over, one of, you know, what, 10 newcomers for this KU squad, and he's another one. And he kind of fits into a position that, while you brought in Remy Martin, it was like, okay, point guard is a position of need. And it's like Jalen Coleman lands. You bring him in, and he's at a position where you don't know if you're going to lose Ochai, and he's kind of insurance there. But worst case, it never hurts to have extra shooters off the bench, especially a guy who's a veteran and, and can kind of give that presence in the locker room. With Cam Martin, you're coming into a position where 
typically nowadays in college basketball, you're only going to play one true big man, right? Like your four man is most likely going to be either a smaller four or a bigger wing or something like that. Maybe you'll play a little bit of two big ball, but for the most part, you only have one position to divvy out and you already have David McCormick, an all big 12 player who could be an all American this year. You have Zach Clements, your highest rated recruit coming in at that position. It's kind of your stretch four, stretch five type of guy. You have Mitch Lightfoot coming back for your sixth year and now you have Cam Martin. So a lot to shuffle out of that position. Let's discuss it on the other side. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to rock, rock chalk sports talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, yesterday, got a chance to catch up with Ochag Baji and Cam Martin at a little media availability for KU Basketball as they undergo boot camp. We talked a lot about Ochai on yesterday's show, and we'll talk more about him with Scott Jason, who's going to join us here in a little from 24-7 Sports and Fog.net. The other guy is Cam Martin, and both these guys are very interesting for different reasons. With Ochai, it's can you make that next step from being a really good player to an All-American level player to a great player for KU. And can he be uh, a more consistent player? With Cam Martin, it's you know it's a two-part question. The first part is, what's the role going to look like for Cam Martin? You know, uh, That's where you have to start with it. Is David McCormick going to give you 30 minutes as a center? And Cam Martin's just going to give you the other 10? Can Cam Martin distance himself from the other center options as the backup, like Zach Clements and Mitch Lightfoot? Or will Cam Martin give you any time as a foreman? That's the question. Can you play another big next to David McCormick? Does Big Dave only give you 20 or 25 minutes because of the other centers and, and the depth and the other players you have behind him? And are you able to play like Cam Martin and Zach Clements together? I don't know. There's a lot of different things you can do that I think makes the variance for how much Cam Martin plays from anywhere from an inconsistent game-to-game role where maybe some games he's not playing to others he's playing 10 minutes there's anything from that as the floor to the ceiling which is probably I don't know 20-ish minutes a game for Cam Martin and that's a big first question of trying to figure that out of well how much is he going to impact here I would tend to think well maybe David McCormick will give you 25 minutes a game the other 15 will go to Cam Martin maybe there'll be five minutes a game where you play two bigs next to each other Maybe some of that goes to Cam Martin. Maybe some of that to Zach Clements or Mitch Lightfoot. But I would imagine he's going to be somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes a game this season. So how much are you going to impact as that guy? Well, you're not going to have as big of an impact as some other guys. But at the center position, typically you're not playing as much. And he can have a pretty big impact, I think, on certain matchups. And especially games where if he's hitting shots from the outside as that five-man role, you're going to really spread out the defense. So what Cam Martin brings to the table We know it's his shooting from the outside. He's going to be elite shooter, especially for a big man, and his offensive prowess. The question, how much is he going to play? How much will that impact things? And the other big question is the defense. Had a chance to, as I mentioned, catch up with Cam Martin along with the rest of the media at a media availability for KU during KU boot camp. Here is Cam Martin answering questions from the media. Just share, Cam, your initial thoughts on boot camp and what it's been like, and have you experienced anything like that before in the past? Um, yeah, playing at uh, Missouri Southern, Coach Boshi actually, he played at KU, yeah. so um, he didn't play under Coach Self, but he played under Coach Williams, and our, our conditioning program was pretty similar. Um, it was spaced out longer, but we still did like about eight, nine days over like three weeks, and um, it's been a good experience so far. Um, just building with your teammates and stuff like that, you, uh, it's really fun. No surprises? Uh, no, no surprises. Um, kind of struggle waking up every day at 6 a.m., but that's been the only difference. 
which of the other newcomers coming into this, I guess, have impressed you in terms of just what they're doing out there in conditioning? Um, KJ Adams has really impressed me. He's been doing well, and also Zach Clements. Uh, he's been he's a big, he's been doing really well too. He's in my group, so I, I get to see uh, them more than I get to see a lot of the other guys, just because we're in our own little groups. But uh, yeah, they both done really well. Coach, I mentioned KJ. What what I guess what have you seen from him so far, and, and what does he look like to you out there? Uh, I think just his God-given ability. He's a he's a freak athlete mm -hmm. and um, very strong and mature for his age. I think he's gonna have a really good career. Do you see any sort of advantages to having it more compact when you're talking about the conditioning as opposed to where you've been in the past? Yeah, I definitely like uh, doing it all together and not spacing it out as much. You kind of get more in the routine of doing it, and um, it's just I, I like it better like this. What's the hardest part? Is it waking up, or is there something else? Yeah, for me, the hardest part is just getting out of bed. Um, I'm in, I'm in the grad program right now, so I kind of got in a bad habit of having all online classes and sleeping in in the mornings. So just getting up now is, is the biggest struggle for me. Yeah. What is Coach Self, any of the coaches really, what are they like working with you guys during boot camp? How would you describe, I guess, their uh, coaching personalities? Just uh, great energy. Um, it's, they, they bring the energy in the morning. Coach Rams, when he stretches us, uh, he's bringing great energy. Um, everybody's just locked in and trying to get better. How would you describe as a player Remy Martin? Um, so far, he's been a great teammate. Um, he's been a great facilitator. Uh, he's playing like a, a true point guard, just getting everybody's shots, playing downhill, very quick, first step, um, great passer. Does Ochai set the tone for the team? Is he one of the leaders? Yeah, he's definitely one of the leaders, one of the vet guys. Um, all, all the vets, all the returners do a really good job. Uh, so on the standard and the, the KU culture and just how, how things are going to go. And uh, they've all done a really good job. For you, basketball-wise, what's the, been the biggest adjustment? Uh, I think the biggest adjustment is just the physicality. Um, at the level I played at, there wasn't as many fouls and stuff like that. You, we weren't allowed to play as physical. So um, adjusting to that and just being able to play more physical has been the biggest adjustment. You're have already had a great career. You're one of the best players in that school's history. So how do you look at your KU career? Is it a total new start or are you um, still the same guy that? Really, I'm just focused on coming. I just want to win. Um, in my three years in college, for four years really so far, I've yet to win a conference championship. I've been close, lost in the finals. Uh, in high school, I lost in the state championship by one. So I'm just ready to do whatever I can to win championship. That's my only goal. You mentioned the physicality being different. Do you think that's a strength for you, that you can now be more physical? Yeah, it's definitely a strength. Um, through my years at uh, Southern, it was, it was really a struggle. Uh, we tried figuring out different ways for me to play defense and not foul. Just because I was so much bigger than everybody that uh, I draw so much attention. And dudes would have to foul me, so then to kind of even out, like I have to, they'd have to call some fouls on me too. So. It's definitely something I'm excited for. I'm ready to make this adjustment. When you think about being so close in the past to winning that conference title, does that mean that you're being more vocal in these sort of situations with your teammates about your goals, or are you sort of just letting things go on set at this point? Just kind of just coming in every day and getting better. That's really what we're trying to do right now. Um, we're not trying to look too far in the future. Just come in every day and work, and uh, everything else take care of itself. What do you think about? your group of bigs and how the guys have looked so far as you guys are getting started with boot camp? I think we've looked really good. Um, the whole team's looked really good. I think we're in pretty good shape. Uh, we came into boot camp 
in shape. That's one of the things we talked with uh, Coach Ramsey, our strength coach, before boot camp, is we wanted to come in. And Mitch brought it up that this was, he wants this to be his best boot camp yet. And um, so we've been working hard uh, since school started, and I think it's been showing so far. Have you gained any pounds or lost any since last season? Um, I'm down 14 pounds since I've been here. Been here? Been here, yes. Since summer, uh, I think June 5th is when we moved in, I'm down 14 pounds. So what are you now? I'm weighing like 228 to 230. So is that kind of a emphasis in the off season to try to slim down to maybe get quicker or something? Yeah, that was a big emphasis, just to, just to get quicker. We're not too worried about the scale, but just being more explosive. Coach Self wants me playing above the rim and just being as athletic as possible. And do you feel comfortable playing next to another big man? Yes, I do. Uh, we've talked about that a few times, being able to play in the perimeter more and switch ball screens defensively and stuff. That was a big goal for me, too, over these past few months of just getting more athletic so I can guard quicker uh, players. How much does it help having a couple of veterans? Mitch has been around forever and David a few years just uh, at the big man spots. Yeah, it definitely helps. Uh, we're a pretty old team. I mean, we have multiple people that without this COVID rule wouldn't be playing college basketball. So we've all been around programs, um, been in college multiple years. So it's good having vets like that. And everybody has the same goal and we're just trying to win. Did that help you, though, your transition, just knowing, hey, if you ever have a question, you've got, you know, two guys who have been around. Yeah, definitely. Um, all the all the returners, they've all been really good leaders and just kind of showing us the way and how things go here at KU, and they've done a great job leading this team. All right, that was Cam Martin. And, again, like, how big the playing time is important, you know, which he's going to give you offensively. I think one of the big keys, and he talked about this, he's actually slimmed down, which to me indicates – the idea from KU was, hey, we want you to slim down and be as quick as possible because if we are going to play you next to another big, you have to be mobile enough to defend on the outside. And there will be certain matchups where you won't be able to do that. If a team is playing a guard or a 6'5 wing as the four-man, I don't know if you can do that. Then again, we haven't really seen Cam Martin in the new slimmed-down version of maybe he can defend enough to make that a viable option because if he can make that to defend as a viable option, he might be one of your best three-point shooters on offense and, and might carry a lot of value in terms of that. So the defense is going to be the the carrying card because if he does end up being like, like if for all we know, Cam Martin actually is like an adequate perimeter defender, then maybe you do look at the ceiling being raised there to being a 25-minute-per-game guy because you can play two bigs a little bit. But right now that is a big question even as much as Self has done that in the past with how viable can that be on the defensive side of the ball. And when you have questions around the rest of the defense for KU, you know you don't have that Yudoka Azubuke to erase things in the paint and be that last line of defense. You don't have the Marcus Garrett on the perimeter. And uh, while Ochai is a good on-ball defender, you don't have a ton of those guys that you look at coming into this year and saying, that's our lockdown defender this year. So that makes the defense even more prevalent. And that's the big question with Cam Martin. And to me, that is the big fulcrum of deciding whether he is going to be closer to that ceiling in terms of his role this year or if he's going to be closer to the floor. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll talk more about him with Scott Jason of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, later on in the show. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Scott Chasen of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, joining me in studio here on RCST. Uh, so KU football will have our pregame show which you can hear on KLWN on Saturday from noon to one that'll be the prelude from one to two thirty for the other pregame show as we call it and then uh kick off at two thirty with KU Baylor so come on out go to mama's tamale shop the 105.9 kiss crew is going to be there they'll have free stuff 
for you to give away. They'll have some KU football tickets that you can get. And it's $2 tacos on Saturdays at Mama's Tamale Shop. And also you can try the empanadas or tamales or margarita or fresh water, whatever you like. They have a big outdoor patio with uh, coverage from the sun. And they have TVs so you can watch the other college football games and eat some $2 tacos as you get ready for the game because it's right there before you head in to the stadium. Uh, but we'll, we'll save all our KU football talk for then. KU basketball started up with boot camp. Um, and... You know, we don't have any, like, actual tangible basketball results or anything to talk about. But, you know, you always get that extra buzz in the air here in Lawrence whenever anything basketball-related starts up. So we got to talk to Ochai Baji and Cam Martin yesterday. I, I want to start with Ochai, a guy who sounds like he took the draft process very seriously. And, you know, uh, we've seen this with a lot of players where they take that step, they they take what they learn from the draft process, and they, they have a breakout season. But it almost feels like everybody with Ochai is just assuming, yeah, he's probably going to be about the same dude, but he'll just be a better fit to this current team. Do you think he could take that next step, and, and what would that look like? Well, I think if there is confidence that he's going to take a next step, it, it starts with what he looked like, right, when we saw him. I mean, Ochai Abaji was never in bad shape, and that's... Kind of what I asked him. I said, like, hey, you've never been in bad shape, but right now you seem like you're in great shape. And I, I don't know if it was just a case of, you know, media was done on Zoom, so maybe we didn't get a good look at him. I'd, I'd be curious for your thoughts on this, too. He he looked like like a, like cover of men's fitness in shape, shape. <laughs> like, I, I was actually stunned because I've always considered him, like, one of the most athletic guys on the team. But he, he looked really cut uh, to me, which is not a word I believe I've ever said on these airwaves. So, um I didn't know he could get more athletic, but when he talked about working out two to three times a day and the work ethic of, like, Damian Lillard and working with Damian Lillard's trainer, um, I actually think he took that to heart. I, I, You know, he mentioned he hasn't lost or gained any weight. It's still the same number, but I'm sure it's a, a healthier kind of distribution. I'm sure he feels better right now. So I, I think it starts there. Does he have the confidence in his athleticism to play to it more and to play for it to it for longer to where he's not getting tired throughout the season, to where he's not... I don't want to say taking games off, but not having those games where you don't feel his impact as much. Um, I, I think that's a huge part of what he does. If he could just be the consistently good Ochai Abaji all the time, um, that to me in and of itself is taking a big step forward for a guy who I think has shown flashes at times that he can be a really good player. I'll be honest, I'm less interested in the physical stuff just because, like you said, he's always kind of been that guy. He's always sure. been that athlete. It's more for me about the functional athleticism of how is that like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. let's say he gained an inch or two on his vertical. Well, how much does that matter if he's not driving into the paint and dunking over guys, which we haven't really seen. Um, so I'm more interested in the, in the aspect of the training, which it, it yeah. is still there of, you know, he didn't just say I was taking the training from, like you said, the, the same guy with Damian Lillard and it was just lifting more weights or doing whatever it was being in the gym and, you know, understanding the urgency of every rep and having that impact, maybe being more a consistent shooter. And that's been one thing with Ochai where, you know, it's been the consistency has been one of those big questions. And to a certain standpoint, like if you're reliant on a three point shot, there's nobody who is just like, okay, every single game I'm two for five yeah. and I'm never below, I'm never above, right? Yeah. Like three-point shooters, it, it is kind of that inconsistent game. But that's kind of the question for me, if that can lead to him being more consistent. And if it can be more consistent, then maybe that is the difference between Ochai, you know, because if you have the games that you get rid of where he only had eight points, 
and you turn those into, okay, he's still got 15 points. Like, you think of the Frank Masons of the world, the best players for KU, they're consistent in that they're, you can just pencil them in for 15, 20 points, right? If you get that with Ochai, maybe he does hit that next level of becoming an All-American. And I said this yesterday, you don't need Ochai to become an All-American for you to be successful this year. We've seen it in the past. Ochai has been a role player two years ago on the team that was the number one seed, would have been the number one overall seed in the NCAA yeah. tournament, would have been by far and away the favorite, and he was a role player on that team. So you can win with Ochai doing that, but if he becomes an All-American, how much does that add to your game? Yeah, well, this is going to sound counterintuitive. I almost think it's better for Kansas if he isn't because I think that would kind of land you in the scenario where you have the balance you want. Now, don't get me wrong. If he's going to be an All-American, that means he's taken his game, which is already very good, and he's taken it to another step, and he's playing a big role. But to me, so the way I've always kind of envisioned the ideal scenario for Kansas is Remy Martin kind of reverting back to what he did as a sophomore, you know, 12 points, 5 assists, something in that range. Uh, Jalen Wilson taking a step forward. Ochai Abaji, incremental step forward. David McCormick, incremental step forward. Christian Brown, incremental step forward to where it's just this team of so many guys who maybe they're all averaging between 12 and 15 points, but anyone can beat you on any night. Now, to your point on Abaji, and I think this goes in with the training, you know, he mentioned that being conditioned better makes you better in, you know, a ton of different ways. You talked about shooting. I think he said decision-making. Uh, that could be one that if you're conditioned better, you know, you're not going to have those lapses where you're tired and you do the wrong thing because you're, you're gaffed. Uh, I think that's incredibly important. Uh, I think for him... If he does take that next step and becomes a more, you know, I, I think he was consistent last year, but he becomes an even more consistent scorer, then what I think it does for Kansas is it gives them almost a feel of like, um, I'm trying to draw a comparison that isn't an NBA team, but those teams that felt like their floors were so incredibly high that to beat them, you would have to have like an outlier performance. The obvious example, and I, this comparison is an app for a number of reasons, would be like the NBA's Golden State Warriors once they got Kevin Durant. And the case there was, before Kevin Durant, you had an amazing team that, that won 73 games, and it was an all-time team, and it was championship caliber. But they could be beaten if Clay Thompson had an off night or whatever because, you know, you still had to deal with Steph, and he was going to be great. But you didn't have, you know, it wasn't exactly overflowing with all these all-amazing, you know, whatever players. But once they added Kevin Durant, you could argue their ceiling didn't change that much. They were still a championship caliber team. But, okay, Clay Thompson's having a bad game. Well, you, you still got Steph and Durant. And, you know, even if Durant's off, okay, well, is every role player going to be bad? And Steph, you know, it, it was just so much harder to beat them. And so on a different scale, what I see with KU is this idea that if Ochai is that level of consistent player and he's not going to have off games, then you basically look at Remy Martin, Jalen Wilson, and David McCormick and, and Christian Brown and say, if two of you play well, if you're Kansas, we are not going to lose that game. And if you're the other team, uh, you know, if they have two of those guys play well, we're not going to win that game, you know, being the other team. So um, I, I think that's what, you know, that jump from Ochai could potentially do. Now, I don't think his numbers will change that much, but if he's able to do it in a kind of more at times reliable way, I think that could be a big deal for this Kansas team. Um, and at the same time, even if he doesn't, I, I think this will be a great Kansas team anyway. Yeah, o Ochai is... I don't know. He he seems to me to be the guy that is I, – I don't really know what to expect. Like, I, I feel like with a lot of other – which is weird because he is the older guy coming back. I just I just don't know. Like you said, is it going to be that role player? Is it going to be uh, kind of hitting that next level? Cam Martin is the other one. Yeah. Like with David McCormick, I feel like, you know, you know what you're going to get from Dave. Uh, Remy Martin, like, we don't know what it looks like in Kansas uniform, but you have an idea what he's going to do for the team. Uh, Cam Martin, who we also got to talk to yesterday, is – 
very much to me up in the air with what the role is going to look yeah. like just because you don't know how much he's going to play next to another big. Obviously, that was something I kind of asked him about, and it sounds like that's something that was the intent there. He's lost weight. They've been trying to get him maybe a little bit quicker on the outside yeah. to, to be able to do that and, and defend perimeter players, which I don't know how well that'll work. I, I feel like what's going to happen is Cam Martin is going to play too big basketball at the beginning of the season, and then it's not going to work defensively, and then it'll just change at some point. Shocking to see what Cam Martin looks like now in terms of how skinny he is. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is not me commenting on anyone's appearance beyond, like, basketball. He has the look of a guy who used to weigh a lot, not unhealthy, but used to weigh a lot, then dropped a lot of that weight, and now it's like his body and frame is almost like it's not too skinny because I think he's athletic. I think they're happy with where he is, but it's like off-putting, like his size, you know, like I guess his frame, what he has the potential to be, and then where he is body-wise now. And I think it is clear that he's made, you know, most guys we talk about gaining muscle and like they want to be in the best shape of their life. I guess for Jalen Wilson last year, it was the opposite. He really slimmed down. But for a guy like Cam Martin, it's very noticeable how much weight he's lost. And, and he said he wants to be more explosive. He wants to be able to switch and guard guards. He wants to be able to move on the perimeter. You know, when he first came to Kansas and, and you know, he spoke about the potential to play too big basketball or he first announced he was coming here, I, I remembered being a little bit skeptical. But the more and more you think about this Kansas roster with David McCormick, with Mitch Lightfoot, with the other bigs they have in the freshman class, you know, Zach Clements is a guy that I think probably will play at least some. K.J. Adams is, is more of a four than a five, but he's a guy you'll want to get on the court. And then Jalen Wilson has played the five and the four before, uh, obviously for Kansas, although, again, I expect him to mostly play the four. Cam Martin isn't going to play that many minutes if he's not playing, if he's not able to play minutes at the four, at least two. So it makes sense to me why that's the emphasis I'm really intrigued to see what it looks like when Kansas puts, like, kind of an all-shooting lineup out because you could have him, you know, you could have, like, Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, Cam Martin, Remy Martin, no relation, and, you know, another guard who's going to be able to, uh, you know, space the floor or something. And and I think that gives Kansas a really creative offensive look. What you said, though, about defense, that'll be where it kind of comes down. And, and I thought Cam Martin made a really interesting point when he was talking about the physicality of the game. And he said he's almost excited to be more physical because they had to find ways for him to just be allowed to guard last year. Like, he felt like because he would get so much attention and he would get hacked, if he's going to touch a guy on the other end and he's so much bigger than that guy, you know, he's getting called for a foul, he's going to get taken off the court. And I guess I'm making outlandish comparisons today. So I, I gave the Warriors comparison to KU and another one. I'll give him a Wilt Chamberlain comparison. You know, Wilt, <laughs> okay. Wilt Chamberlain averaged like 48 and a half mm -hmm. minutes a game in one NBA season. And it's because he didn't foul out. But there were like a bunch of games where he got in foul trouble. And when he got in foul trouble, he just stopped playing defense. And I'm sure it was never easier to score on Wilt Chamberlain than if it were a six foul foul out when Wilt Chamberlain had five fouls. I mean, I would point at him and say, I'm driving right into you and, and all five foot six of me, I am going straight into Wilt Chamberlain. And I don't think that would work too well. I'm but. daring him. No, but but that was the thing. Like he would hands up, jump out of your way to make sure not to fail. And, and it almost sounded like that was an issue for Cam Martin last year that he had to, that he felt like I can't play physically with these guys because they're just going to call it. They'll fall down. They're not strong enough, whatever. Well, that won't be the case now, especially now that he's lost weight. He should be able, like Jalen Wilson, to use his strength to muscle, to, to fight with guys. And so even if he isn't a great defender on the perimeter, which I do not expect him to be, I think he'll be able to use his physicality more, which I think gives him a chance to maybe play in the post some or play more in matchups where the other team has two big men.
if KU is playing two bigs next to each other, I I mean it'll never happen, but I feel like you'd have to play zone. Some at least, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to because even though it's something that he's working on, I mean David McCormick that's never been a strength defending on the outside and even if Cam Martin has improved at it and like for a big man is good at it, with the way the college game is going, I, I don't think that would work. And it's not like you have the insulation around those guys either to say, hey, we just have three elite perimeter defenders that are going to prevent the ball from getting into the lane. Yeah. You lost Marcus Garrett. And I think Ochai is a really good on-ball defender. Uh, there were some questions with the off-ball defense. I think that was part of the, the NBA scouting reports for him that maybe kept him from staying in the draft. Outside of that, you do have a lot of questions on that defensive side of the ball. And I, I don't know how you look at that because on one hand, you take the coach, Bill Self, who traditionally has really good defenses, yeah. but on the other hand, the player personnel might not really be in tune with having a good defense this year. Yeah, I, I think Remy Martin can be a better defender than he's shown, given that when he was younger, Bill Self, like, or I should say Bill Self guards, hated playing against those Arizona State guards because they'd get up under you and they would bother you. And I think he had to take on more offensive roles and that hurt his defense. I actually expect him to go back to being a good defender. Kind of the same thing with Joe Yesifu. I think Bill Self can work with him on making that enough of his game to where it's helpful. Where I have questions about Kansas is the wings. And I think that's Christian Brown. I think that's Jalen Wilson. Um, and, and to an extent, Jalen Coleman lands. I think those guys have to get to another gear and get to another place defensively for Kansas to have options with lineup versatility. Because right now, I mean, guys like Ochai Abaji are completely indispensable. Probably David McCormick, who, I mean, is this team's best defensive big man, which is not saying much. I mean, he wasn't great at it, but at least showed when they kind of changed their pick-and-roll scheme that he could do that a lot better and at times at later in the year became a better rim protector. Now, he's got to get a lot better, too. But if you don't feel like you have those wing defenders, it's going to limit lineups you can play together, especially, like, take a guy like Dewan Harris. What Dewan Harris did defensively last year at times really sparked Kansas. But the issue became that if he is out there on an island and you don't have the ball pressure, guys can post him up, guys can score over the top of him because it's not like all these positions are pressuring out and bothering everyone and then he's just another one of those guys who you can't relax for a second with the ball. It was like there might be three guys on the court that you can chill with, you know, if they're guarding you and then, you know, maybe Dewan Harris is the one guy you have to watch out for or something like that. So you can even run scheme things to just remove him from a play. So I think that's where the defense kind of hinges is on the wings. But I, I don't think zone's a bad idea. I don't think junk defense would be a bad idea. You know, obviously Bill Self doesn't want to play those things ideally. But also, Bill Self didn't used to like to switch. You know, he didn't uh, let his team switch early in the year for the longest time, and that became like you had to earn the honor of playing a switching defense late in the season only when you had to, um, and he wanted them fighting through every screen. He's kind of loosened on that, so uh, I don't think that means Bill Self's going to play a bunch of zone this year, but, I mean, he, he quite literally mentioned it uh, after the last game of the last season against USC and said, well, what if we had played zone? You know, that was, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that that was give or take the gist of it. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what answers he comes up with. That's why he makes approximately two times what I make. And so uh, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> thanks for laughing after the fact. But, uh, no, I, I'll be really interested to see what they come up with defensively and, and to see, uh, you know, how they kind of scheme accommodate those guys who may not be traditional Bill Self-level defenders. Yep, and I think the offense should be really darn good. It's just, you know. It, the defense doesn't have to be, like, top 10. Sure. Right? It doesn't have to be as good as it was last year. If it is, that's a huge boon. What's and, the Ken Palm number? Uh, 
like from last year? No, no. Don't you usually have oh, a number that's like see. you have to be in the top something and something? Yeah, I'm trying contender. to remember. I, I know for sure it's in the top forty. It might be higher than that. Um, I'd have to double check and look. I think thirty-seven. That sounds right. So is that but, the goal? Is that but the goal? I will say uh, Baylor. I'm pretty sure Baylor was outside of it this year, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much you count that because you had less games. Yeah. You had the COVID situation where mm-hmm. they were a top. I mean, very clearly watching Baylor was like, yeah, this is a really good defense. Yeah. But then when COVID happened, they dropped from being like a top 10 defense all the way. I think they were like 40 something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you have to have a top 40 defense, basically. And the team who made the uh, final four a couple of years ago for KU, I think they were around 50th in defense. Okay. Um, Better or worse? I'll, I'll put you to it right now. Better or worse that defensively, team? this team versus that team? I mean, that team had Doak, who is, yeah. you know, this was sophomore Doak, so it wasn't as good of a defensive Doak, sure. but at least in terms of rim protection, yeah. you got more out of Doak than I would assume you're going to get out of Dave, at least what you got out of Dave last year. Now, that team also had Malik Newman and LeGerald Vick. Yes, so. who did not play defense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Svee was, I don't think Svee was like a bad defender, he was but he wasn't, like yeah. a, he wasn't a plus defender either. Yeah. You still had Marcus Garrett. Devontae was, I mean, there's only so much Devontae could do defensively because yeah. he had to take on such a load offensively. I'll say they're better than that team. I and and that, if you're I better than that yeah. team, you're probably not better than that team offensively, yeah. right? Yeah. Agree, agreeing with you. Okay. Yes, they cannot be better than, right. than that team. I mean, that team at time was just, I mean, not basketball perfection, but when Malik Newman was going and Devontae yeah. Graham was going and Doak was dunking everything, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's where we're at. They are the 2018 team, just a little bit different. Yes, they okay. are exactly the same, <laughs> but, but better defensively different. and worse offensively. Absolutely. He is Scott Chasen, 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Scott, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Scott Chasen of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.